Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Well, good morning. How we doing? Doing all right? Anyone else still getting over that lost, lost hour from last night? I promise you, are you tired and daylight savings time is a total accident. It was a complete accident, like just a happy little thing that happened. But man, my name is Tommy. I get the privilege of being here on staff as one of the pastors. Um, I'm excited to conclude this series in which we're looking at the question, are you tired? Right? We've been working through this question, are you tired? Which is ironic, right? Because the obvious answer to this question is yes. Like anybody you ask, if you stop them on the street, if you stop them on the lobby, is going to look at you and say, yes, I'm tired. And so what we've been saying throughout this series is that tiredness is a symptom, right? Tiredness is not the issue. Tiredness is a symptom of a deeper root issue within us, right? There's a deeper root issue. And tiredness, that root within us is that the world is pushing against us, whether it be the world, the flesh, and the devil, pushing against us, and it's causing us to have what we call disordered desires, Right? Taking something that's good, which is like work and, and being, doing things, and turning it into an ultimate thing, which then disorders us away from who God is. So he said, if the world, the flesh, and the devil is the problem, what is the solution? Right? What is the solution? The next week after that, we said, the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. We started to look that as we come to know Jesus, there's three areas in which we start to grow to become more like him, right? We talked about biblical teaching. There was also another, if you remember, another circle of community. And then there was this other one called spiritual practices, right? I call spiritual practices patterns that change you. They're intentional patterns in our life that we put in place to become more like Christ. And so we spent the next week double-clicking in on that spiritual practice. And last week, Ray started the conversation on Sabbath, Right? We started the conversation on Sabbath in which we said this is a tool that God gives us to help us to grow, become more like him, to actually deal with the root issue of how the world, the flesh, and the devil are making us tired. And we said in Sabbath we need to watch. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Or as we put it this way, we have to stop and rest. And so that's the first part of Sabbath. And today we're going to continue and look at another part of Sabbath. We're going to continue that conversation on Sabbath. But before I jump in, um, one real quick thing. One of the pieces of feedback we've gotten on this series is that people are like, I like this idea of Sabbath. Right? I like it. It's interesting. Um, but I'm not really sure what it is I'm supposed to do. Right? I hear I'm supposed to stop and rest. So does that mean that I should just turn off the lights, turn off my phone, sit in my room and do nothing? I kind of, maybe. I think stop and rest have more to do what we shouldn't do, right? For six days you shall work, but on the seventh you shall rest. There's an intentionality in stopping, so there is an active piece, but what we're going to look at today is what I'm hoping is to give you some, what are some things that we can actually do on Sabbath? What are some practices and ways that actually bring about our soul and give us rest and help us realign with God? So I'm hoping to give you some practical suggestions and ideas today. And in order to do that, we're going to be in Genesis 1. Genesis 1. So if you have your Bible, your smartphone, however you get to God's Word, if you want to go ahead and open up there, we're going to be in Genesis 1.31. So that's the very, very last verse in Genesis 1. And as you're opening up, um, it's, a, it's a shorter passage today that we're going to be looking at. But what happened right before this is we have the creation account. Right? One of the most famous verses in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you see over the next 29 verses, God creating the sun, the moon, the stars, land, sea, everything, including humankind. And then we get to verse 31, and then, I love this. We're going to see what does God think about his creation? 
what does he think about it? He just created everything, so what does he think? So pick this up, Genesis 1.31. We're gonna be going through chapter two, verse three. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work he had done and he, the word in Hebrew actually is Sabbath. He rested. On the seventh day from all his work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God Sabbathed or he stopped and rested from his work that he had done in creation. So we see God rested, or he chose the Sabbath, right? We talked about that last week, stopping. But there's a really interesting phrase at the end of chapter three. It fascinates me. It's this. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Interesting word choice, right? What does holy mean? Like, think about it. What does holy actually mean? Uh, I can best describe it this way. Holy means to be unique or special, or set aside for a specific purpose, right? It's this idea of being said, think of it this way, uh, fine china is holy, right? Anybody grow up in a home that had fine china? You know, I'm not talking about the country, I'm talking about those plates that were more things you looked at through your cabinet than actually used. You know what I'm talking about? Like you'd see them, but you knew when that fine china came out, ooh buddy, something special's going on. It's either a birthday, a holiday, or the president's coming over, right? Right? There's something special about it. Those, like, fine china is categorically different than paper plates. Right? They have a different and unique purpose. And so when you think about it, fine china is holy. It's set apart for a unique purpose. That's the idea. It's to be set apart or categorically different. Notice in Genesis, what does God make holy? What does he make? A day. He literally says there is an entire day set aside for a unique purpose. It's categorically different than any other day. Right, for six days you'll work, on the seventh day you will Sabbath. So that this day is different, and how is it different? Well, I think Sabbath is a day set aside to stop, rest, and here's the two new parts, worship and delight. Worship and delight. It's the, I think these last two are important. So we're gonna dive into those last two. So let's start with worship, all right? Let's start with worship. Let me ask you this. When you hear the word worship, what ideas or pictures come to mind? How does it make you feel? <laughs> you see, I think there's a lot of different emotions and thoughts that come with worship, but there's two main ones that when I ask this question, I tend to get back. First, people say, well, it's going to a church service or going to mass, right? That's the thing we do at church, we worship. Or another one I get is worship is a music style, right? Turn on K-Love, that's worship, right? But I think both of these are right, but they actually miss, I think, what worship is as well. There's more to it. I think, and I'm gonna make an argument, that worship is not just a religious thing, it's a human thing. Worship is not just a religious thing, it's a human thing. We all worship something, right? We all worship something. I think worship is this. Worship is reorienting and refocusing our lives towards something. Worship is reorienting and refocusing our lives towards something. We all worship something, right? Every single person, whether you're a Christ follower or not, we worship something. I don't think the question is, do you worship? The question is, what do you worship? What are the things in your life that bring about all of your time? 
They take about your energy, your focus, your high priorities that override everything else. What do you worship? Comfort? Social media influence? Your finances? Your standing in society? Chasing after happiness and pleasure? That job title? You see, I think there's things in our lives that are good. These are, all not, these are not bad things, right? But when they become the ultimate thing, they can create what we've called disordered desires within us. They can create things inside of us that we can miss the point of what we're created to do, which is to reorient and refocus our lives on God. If you think, I think true worship is when we reorient and refocus our lives back on God. And actually, when we think about these disordered desires, um, Sabbath is one of the greatest tools God gives us against these. Sabbath is one of the greatest tools in our lives to actually push against these disordered desires. We recognize Sabbath as holy by having intentional times of pointed worship to God. Right, if I'm working for six days and I'm going, 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 and and a day I take and I stop, and I say, no God, you are more important, work can wait. What are we doing? We're saying Jesus is the ultimate thing. Or as we said in our last series, he's the center of all things. See, worship, when we have intentional, pointed times on Sabbath, or these times when we rest, it actually is a way that we're waging war in our flesh against these disordered desires. We're getting an opportunity to praise God. And I think this is what Sabbath worship can do. When we take a day and we take the time apart to stop and to rest and to worship God intentionally, it does things in us. It changes us. And I do think it looks differently for each one of us. Okay, it looks completely different. Let me give you some examples. For me, when I think through Sabbath worship, where I'm truly worshiping, where I want to reorient and refocus myself back to God, um, one of the one ways that we actually do, I've already talked about it, is the stopping from work is an act of worship. When we actually stop and take the time to take the break, it's an act of worship. What are we doing? We're saying, God, you are more important than my emails that I got during the week. God, you are more important than the work that I have in my life. God, you are more important. You fill in the blank, right? It's actually an act of worship. We're reorienting and refocusing ourselves back to God. When we take a break from work, we actually allow our souls to be refreshed by Christ. We're saying work can wait. I'm going to listen to God. Another way we worship is through prayer. Spending intentional time in prayer with God. I talked about this a few weeks ago. For me, there's um, the Sabbath on the weekend, but there's also what I call Sabbath moments during the week. We have times where we stop and we rest. I talked about prayer a few, uh, it's been almost a month, over a month now. And I talked about how there's this chair in my office that I go and sit in. If you were around, it's like, before I do anything else, I literally go and sit in this chair. This chair, for lack of better terms, is holy, right? It's set apart for a unique purpose. Now, can I pray to God anywhere? Yes, of course, I can. But when I go in this chair, I've created a specific spot where I get sit, and I'm just with him. And I'm reorienting and refocusing myself, or worshiping, God. I'm hearing from him. I'm spending time in him. Prayer is an amazing, amazing thing. Solitude is a way that we worship God. It's being alone with God, spending time with him. Now, I gotta be honest, I got four kids in my house right now. This whole solitude thing ain't happening very often, right? My wife and I are still trying to figure this out. All four of those kids are under the age of eight. So you can just imagine, and they're the kids you hear before you see, right? They're like, which is great. I love them. 
But this solitude and worship on Sabbath can be really hard. I have some friends of mine, they have this idea that they've been doing where they actually take turns being alone with Christ and worshiping on Sabbath. One of them will actually take an hour and be with Jesus, and then they'll take turns in the other one. And they will use that as a time to teach their kids what it means to be with Jesus. They'll say, hey, mom's going to go upstairs and spend an hour with Jesus and actually talk about it. Can you think about what they're doing in that moment? Not only are they practicing Sabbath, they're practicing rest, they're practicing stopping and worshiping, but they're also teaching their kids the goodness of being with God. It's beautiful. Reading scripture is worship, right? Diving into his word and hearing from him. Actually, one of the most beautiful forms of worship is one that a lot of us think, singing, right? Singing is an incredible form of worship where we reorient and refocus ourselves back to God, whether it be by yourself making a joyful noise or with other people making a beautiful melody. Worship is a beautiful, beautiful way in which we reorient ourselves back to God. You see, when we do this time together, when we come and we sing, one of the things we're actually doing is we are stopping from our regular rhythms of the week, and we're stopping, and with all that we are, our voices, the breath in our lungs, which is a gift from God, we're declaring the truth of who he is. We get a chance to declare, to gather with others, and reorient and refocus ourselves back to God. This is why music is such a beautiful part, and if I'm honest, it's why we do it on a weekend. Right? You could very, like, we could easily come, do a sermon, have a great week and go, but the reason we sing is because God gave us the gift of singing that when we think about doing it as a part of rest, it actually is teaching us about who God is and reorient ourselves back to him. Um, there's a song, let me, let me show you what I mean, all right? There's a song that we sing entitled, Here For You. It's a song that we do, and I want to bring up the first line. First line of the song says this, let our praise be your welcome, let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. What are we doing when we sing this? We're actually forcing our bodies and our minds and our hearts and all of it to actually declare this is what we're doing. Right? We're reorienting and refocusing ourselves back to God. That last line, we are here for you. We thought about like coming to church in order to hear from God. Look at this next line. It says, to you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. And even in this song as we're singing it, it's not just something we sit back and go, man, the guitar sounds really good today. Or man, I really like that person when they sing. No, when we stop and think about what we're doing on music, we're actually stopping, we're worshiping God. What are we doing? We're reorienting and refocusing our hearts and our minds and our emotions and all that we are with our arms of saying, God, you are good. You are our one desire. You see, I think music is such a beautiful way in which we get to experience the Sabbath rest God has to have. I actually want to practice this right now. <laughs> I don't want to just talk about it as theoretical. I want to practice it. I'm going to invite the, the worship team up. They're going to set up. We're going to sing this song I just talked about. Because when we think about what we're doing on Sabbath, and we think of this idea of resting in God, where we stop and we pause from our daily rhythms, and we get the chance to sing, we are declaring and helping us say, God, those disordered desires, God, help me to be focused on you. Help me to make you the center of all things. And let me just say, when we get to sing together, it's good. It's good. We were meant to be in community and to sing together. And so we're going to take a second. You can go ahead and shut your notes. If you're on the campus, shut your notes too. There should be a team coming up here right now. And we're going to sing. We're going to enter back into We're going to talk about the next part of Sabbath in a second. But I don't want to talk about worship and not do it. 
And so we're just going to spend a second and we're just going to sing this. So why don't you stand and let's actually declare and sing this. And as you do, allow this to help you reorient and refocus yourself back to God.
Can you see how worship, when we music, we sing, we reorient, refocus? Let every heart adore, let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, you're welcome in this place. He's already here, but we're saying he's here. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Do you see how musical worship and worship in and of itself is a reorienting tool? Then we actually think about what we're doing on Sabbath where we're stopping and we're resting and we're allowing these things like prayer, Sabbath, what we're doing on a weekend by coming together, singing, hearing from God's word, how it is a way in which God changes us. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there is also another major form of worship that we don't always think about. And it's the second part of Sabbath I want to talk about today. It's delight. It's delight. Delight is a way in which we worship the creator God on Sabbath. Delight is a way in which we worship the creator God. Now, delight's a weird word, right? It's not one we use every day. It's not something we think about or the first thing that comes to mind. In fact, we've kind of almost in our society replaced the word delight with lust, which, by the way, is is wrong. (laughs) Delight is a beautiful word, and I think it's something God gave to us. Go back to Genesis 1. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and reopen. Go back to Genesis 1. Look at verse 31 again. What does God say about his creation? What does he say? I'm going to need your help in a second. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was, help me, very good. Very good. Upon finishing creating creation, God sits back and says, man, this is really good. If good's an 8 out of 10, very good's got to be at what, at least an 11? Right? God saw that he created and what he said, he goes, man, this is amazing. This is incredible. This is beautiful. And he says, I can't wait to enjoy it, and it's worthy to be enjoyed. The mountains, the ground we walk on, the grass, dare I say, the snow, the animals, the food we eat, humankind, all of it is very good and it's to be enjoyed. You see, I think Sabbath delight is to experience and enjoy God and it's very good creation. Sabbath delight is to experience and enjoy God and his very good creation creation. Now, how do we do this, right? That sounds good on paper, but how do we do this? How do we delight? Um, well, I think delight starts by doing one of the hardest things it is for us to do in the 21st century America. It's one of the hardest things for us as a world. In order to delight, we must first slow down and be present. We must slow down and be present. You see, because I think when we delight, we get to experience and enjoy God and his creation with no rush. Like, just think about that. The term, no rush, how does that make you feel hearing it? I remember hearing it going like, oh, that sounds amazing. And God says, yeah, I want you to experience and enjoy that. I want you to have that. Just the thought and idea of slowing down is hard, right? And I think the world agrees with us that this is really difficult. Like, this isn't just us sitting here going, yeah, yeah, it's hard. No, the world agrees. The world is in a constant state of motion, right? Never stopping, always on to the next thing. Phone always vibrating with the next email. Got to rush to this, got to go to this. Go, 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 go. And this idea of enjoying the moment is almost non-existent in our society. In fact, I could give a lot of different examples, but I think I only need to talk about one in order to get this. I think one of the struggles for us to slow down can be found in our use of one of the greatest pieces of technology the world has ever seen. 
Yeah, one of the ways I can see it, and it's right here, the smartphone. The smartphone is an incredible advancement in technology. When you think about what we can do with this thing, like, we can talk to anyone in a moment's notice. Like that, instantly. My wife's best friend is a missionary in France. With a click of a button, she can have a face-to-face -face conversation with her and talk about it. Think about how actually crazy that is. Like, it, we, we, all this thing has created new jobs. It's created new forms of entertainment. Information and news can be traveled around the world in an instant, right? We're all waiting for the Aaron Rodgers news, right? You can refresh Twitter like crazy. There was literally a guy this week talking about how he couldn't go on a date with his wife because he had to constantly look and see if Aaron Rodgers was going to be a Packer, right? Like, this device is incredible. However, I think when we think of new technology, a lot of times we'll ask, how does it help? Or what does it do? The question we don't ask is, what does it take away? Think about it. This thing has allowed us to communicate with anyone in the world. It'd make it really hard for us to have conversations face to face with people. Our attention spans have shrunk. There's studies upon studies upon studies about how different ways that have, we've actually lessened our attention span. It's become harder. We, we can communicate with anyone in the world, yet never talk to any of our neighbors or the people we live in the house with. We can be more concerned with what's happening in the Twitter sphere than our own relational sphere. You see, look, I don't think the cell phones are the devil, all right? You don't need to quote me on that, all right? I don't. I think there's a lot of good that comes from this. What I'm trying to get at is this. The idea of slowing down and be present with no distractions is really hard. It's really hard. So much so that when I think we hear the term delight, we're not really sure how to do it. Like in, and I think in order to delight, we have to be intentional. We have to slow down and be present. This is not a passive thing. I think it's active. Delight is active. And I think when we slow down from the hustle of life, we remove distractions and we become present, <laughs> I truly believe that's when we get to experience the Sabbath the way God intended I truly believe when we slow down, we get to experience Sabbath delight the way God intended. And I think there's two things that we should delight in, all right? Two major things we should delight in. The first is this. We should delight in God himself. We delight in God himself. We need to slow down and be present with him. A part of Sabbath is it allows us the opportunity to have a break where we can actually be present with him. Do you know that he wants to be with you? He loves to be with him. If you turn over the next page in Genesis, you will see God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, enjoying it. God delights in his creation, and he delights in us. When we stop and intentionally spend time with God in our sin, on our Sabbath with no agenda, it refreshes our souls. And how do we do this? So how do we delight in God? A couple ideas. Um, one, just spend time with him one-on-one. -on -one. Create a rhythm of solitude. Being alone with him in prayer. I talked about this earlier too, by being in prayer and being in his word. Read your Bible. Sit in silence and listen to him. Just be with him. I talked to you about my prayer chair. It's one of the greatest ways in which I get to just delight in who God is. I get to slow down. And I found that over, at first it was really hard, right? I, it was easy for me to be distracted. My phone would go off and I'm like, oh, there's an email I have to check. Or there's these other things that's going on around me. But when I slowed down, put that stuff on airplane mode... And just sat and be, now my soul looks forward to it. 
It refreshes the soul. Jesus says, come to me and I will bring you rest. So we delight in God himself. And the second thing we should delight in is this. We delight in God's creation. We delight in his very good creation. Remember what Genesis 131 says? God made everything and it was very good, right? God's creation is worth experiencing and enjoying. Think of it this way. Creation itself is a gift from God. Everything around us. I was just thinking of this. Like when we think of delighting in it, when we think of delighting in his creation, I just was thinking through, can you imagine Adam and Eve walking through the garden for the first time? Having never experienced creation, and Eve picks a strawberry and takes a bite and goes, oh, Adam, you've got to try this. Or Adam, like he, after he bites a strawberry, he looks up and there's a giraffe. Like just the awe and wonder of that. And then Eve turns and sees a palm tree. Like can you imagine the emotions going on inside of them? But here's what I think is beautiful. I think after they see that, as they're walking in the garden, they turn to the Father and go, thank you. They know where it came from. They know that as they take a bite of this strawberry, as they see the giraffe, as they see the land, as they see everything, they stand back in awe and they go, God, thank you. They get to see the creativity of their creator. You see, I think when we delight in creation, we get to experience life and get to thank him and see a little bit of his character on display. Right? It takes a pretty creative God to build a palm tree and a giraffe. It takes a pretty creative God to just look around at how different every single one of us are. And when we get to delight in creation, man, we get to enjoy his good gifts. So what are some ways we do this? I think we just enjoy creation. Take a walk. Go for a hike. Slow down and enjoy it. Read a good book. Eat a great meal. Do any of these, but I think there's one important added piece. It's not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Do it with understanding that it's a gift from God and thank him for it. Do you know that's why actually we pray before meals? It's because we get to slow down and remind ourselves who the meal in front of us is from. There's a lot of other ways we can enjoy God's creation. However, there's one part of God's creation that if I don't talk about, I think is a huge miss. And it's the crown jewel of God's creation. You know what it is? God created you and I. He created us, right? You and I are created beings that was meant to be enjoyed, was meant to be delighted in. Sabbath is an amazing time for us to enjoy the community God has given. It's a great space and a gift that we get to one another of having each other to spend time with. Go back again to the Genesis account. Right after God made Adam, God said it's not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He made Eve, right? We are created to be in community with one another, whether it's your spouse, your significant other, your roommate, best friend, family friend, neighbor, sister from another mister. We were made to be in community with each other. Community is a beautiful gift from God. And on Sabbath, we get to enjoy that community. You see, I think all of us can get so busy that we struggle to actually be able to enjoy it. Right? Tell me if this conversation sounds familiar. You're either at church or you're walking through a supermarket and you see a friend, right? And you're like, hey, how you doing? And they look back and like, I'm doing really good. And they're like, man, we should hang out sometime. And then you're like, you know, when I slow down, when life slows down, we should totally do that. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Or is that just me? What does Sabbath give us the opportunity to do? Slow down, stop, 
and be present. Sabbath actually allows us the time to get together with others, to enjoy the relationship and community. And on Sabbath, we get an opportunity to enjoy loved ones. We get to enjoy being together with them. So what does this look like? What are some ideas or ways that we can enjoy this? Um, First, I talked about earlier, eat a meal with people. Food is one of the greatest icebreakers God has ever given us. Want to get someone to talk? Put some food in front of them. It's amazing. They will talk with their mouth full. Right? I know one group of people that every Saturday night as a part of their Sabbath rest, they actually potluck together with no agenda other than getting together, thanking God, and enjoying their time together. Right? Play a board game with somebody. Have a great conversation. Enjoy a walk together. One person I know, um, he actually has a special set of Legos that he only plays with his kids on Sabbath. It helps them understand what it is with Sabbath. What, what I'm saying is, let me be clear, I'm not being legalistic and saying you must spend every waking moment with other people in order to rest. I'm not. There's a place for being in solitude with God. There's a place for being alone with him. But I do think a part of delighting is being in his in creation, which is including the community he's given to us. I know that I see a noticeable difference in myself when I enjoy this. Right? But it's not even just me. I think through my kids. My wife and I have friends that we hang out routinely with. And when I find that, it brings about rest. But I notice in my kids when we do this, um, they spend, and we spend time with other people with no agenda, my kids play more. They laugh harder. They use their imagination. They play games. They don't ask us to watch a show. They enjoy God's creation. And I see a change in who they are, not just on that day, but for the rest of the week. They sleep better. They laugh more. They're prepared for the week. Their attitude is even marketably different. I see the time spent together with others as a part of Sabbath rest as good for their soul. And if I'm honest, I see a difference in myself. I see a difference in me. When I get away from the distractions of life, I turn off the TV, remove the phone, and I start enjoying Sabbath with others. I tend to sleep better. I laugh more. My attitude and perception on life is marketably different. You see, Sabbath community is good for the soul. And the reason it is because we know where that community came from, that it's a gift from God. So what can we delight in? We can delight in God and his creation. Look, there's a whole lot more I could talk about this. For the sake of time, I'm not going to jump into it. But I do think when we talk about Sabbath, Sabbath is a period of time set aside for us to rest, stop, worship, and delight. It's a period of time set aside for us. It's a gift from God designed for us to take a break from work and reorient our hearts and minds back to Jesus through true worship. And remember, I I, I gotta say this. Sabbath is not the magic pill to alleviate tiredness, okay? Sabbath is a spiritual practice. It's It's a practice designed to be a pattern that changes to become more like Christ. In the same way, when I start to work out consistently, it's going to change me, When we put these practices into effect, it's going to change us. It's going to make us more like Christ. We're going to worship him, come back to him. And so as I close today, um, can we just have an honest conversation? We've been walking through this for four weeks, right? And you may be going, man, the Sabbath thing sounds great. That's awesome. As an idea and a concept, I love it. But I think the trap to fall into is to walk away and say, I don't think I'm going to do it. I think it's real easy for us to look at this Sabbath thing and just not want to do it. And so can I just ask you, are you willing to give it a try? 
Are you willing to give it a try? Look, I'm not forcing it on you, okay? These practices, we're invited to be a part of them. We're not obligated. Your, your relationship with Jesus in terms of being a better Christian is not on, in, in terms of doing this. Rather, when we experience this, we get to experience the good life God has to offer. We get to experience and become more like him. And these practices we put into place, they will change you. Maybe you can't do a whole day. Would you be willing to take a step towards trying Sabbath? Take two hours? Turn off your phone? Turn off the notifications so you don't get emails and just stop and be present? Are you tired? Jesus says, be still and know that I am God and come to me, all your child, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. God, you are good. Um, God, I thank you so much for who you are, that you love us and that you give us these, this gift of Sabbath and that you want us to be with you and, and desire for us to be with you so much so that you've created a day as holy, that you've taken the time to set aside for us to be different than any other day of the week and to be present with you, to slow down and to just love and be with you. God, I pray today in all that we do um, as, we, as we practice these things that we become more like you, that this is used for us to become more gracious and merciful and loving and caring and with you. So God, we love you, praise you, and we give you this time. And God, as we enter into a time of continuing to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings and through communion, that God, we slow down and be present in these moments too. And remember that everything we have is a good gift from you. God, you are good and worthy to be praised and we do praise you. In your name we pray, amen.